You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Tequila, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Sit down, grab a blanket, and snuggle up with your furry family because it's time for Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, where Dr. Michael Tequila will discuss everything you need to know to keep your fuzzy friends happy, healthy, and safe. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Here he is now, only on 1077 The Bronx. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila. And it's a okay day out. Um, summer is starting to end. The weather is starting to get a bit more cool. Um, but we still have this humidity amongst us. Um, lots of things I want to talk about today. But first and foremost, um, my thoughts and prayers go out to those out in the west coast battling those forest fires climate change is real um i read an article that bill nye said they've been predicting this for 25 years so it's something that we must address and i don't really like getting political on this show but um it is important if you want your voice heard it is incredibly important that you vote that you vote so come november make sure that you vote also um in preparation for at this point in time hurricane sally um, my thoughts go out to those of you who are in its path and this is hurricane season so i apologize for everything like that but but anyways i wanted to um talk about a bunch of things today um Number one, I wanted to tell you a little story. So, uh, what is it? February-ish. What is typical of pets that need to travel internationally, depending on the country, many pets require a rabies titer. um, And in this particular case, the rabies titer was not accepted. The it's funny because I don't know how many years I've been doing this, but um, I am what we call USDA accredited, which means that I am capable of examining and filling out international health certificates. Um, what I didn't realize till this whole incident was um, even though a rabies titer is pulled, and in the past it didn't really necessarily have to be pulled by a USDA accredited vet as long as um, the vet is the one, I'm the one doing the paperwork. Um, so, so I've been fostering a dog since March, I believe time flies. COVID time is, is ridiculous. Um, his name is Bailey. He's an awesome dog. We joke that he is the best dog we ever had and he's not our dog. Um, but he's a giant golden, about a hundred pounds. He's white and he's awesome. And he's been part of our family since March because his real family had to travel back to Australia back then in March and because of paperwork glitches was not allowed to, he couldn't travel. He needed to be six month quarantine in the, um, somewhere over there. Um, so I actually sight unseen offered to foster him and it was one of the best decisions we've ever made. Um, he's just been a delight um, and is just a joy to have here. So I wanted to talk about fostering in general i think it's something that um is phenomenal i think it's something that everyone should consider um there are a lot of benefits to it um there's a lot of considerations too 
Um, so I think that if you're in the market for looking for a pet, um, consider fostering that simply because you're doing good. You're bringing a pet outside of the um, shelter setting. So basically, as they say, saving a life. You're taking a pet outside the shelter setting, which enables another pet to actually take its place in the shelter setting. Um, there really is no commitment. You are really not committing fully to this pet. Uh, you, you're not required to adopt this pet, although inevitably you fall in love within the first few days and you end up uh, adopting this pet. But um, there's lots of benefits to fostering. Number one, you are saving a pet. In the case of kittens, um, there's huge need for fostering young kittens. They need 24-hour care um, and feeding, so it's, it's really beneficial to do that. Um, there are tons of kittens in need of adoption. Uh, spring and summer is kitten season, so lots of kittens out there. Um, other benefits is that you know a lot of these shelter pets need to be socialized. So many foster parents usually have pets at home, and introducing another pet to your pet is phenomenal, and it really helps them socialize. It helps you identify any issues that you may have with the pet as far as their behavior, and those issues can be addressed. Um, because you're always working closely with the shelter um, or foster group and their veterinary care and you can actually address things and solve problems and actually make a better pet for adoption. So it's really it's really beneficial. I, I, I found that you know we're in a pseudo um, fostering setting, but Bailey's presence has really helped my dog, my our little dog um, really well. Um, uh, adjust to certain things um, and it's been wonderful and not only that in COVID times like today I think it's very very beneficial to have a pet you really gain the mental benefits from having a pet at home it was funny one of my technicians asked me you know Dr. T, after treating all these pets all day, does it drive you nuts you go home? I said, are you kidding me? I love going home. The only downside, the only downside of coming in the home, I, there's nothing better than being greeted by your pets, but the only downside is that I have to rush either to the basement or up to the bathroom and actually change my clothes because who knows what I'm covered with. So that's the only downside. So to see all these dogs come running at you so happily, you go, hey, take off. It's kind of look a shock on their face. They never get used to it. But then I come back and then we make up for it. So it's always really, really good to have those types of scenarios. Um, I think it's really good to have those types of scenarios. Um, the sad thing about fostering, if it can be sad, um, we are really... Let me preface this by saying that Bailey's got a wonderful three-year-old younger sister just anxiously awaiting for his arrival um, in Australia so I, I wish happiness um, for them but man it's going to be tough when he's gone he is such a he is such a huge presence if anyone's ever had a golden goldens always need to be around the family he's always he's bonded to me he always needs to be around me um, it's hilarious that I'll be sitting there and he'll just come over and just start panting in my face and then usually his paw comes out and he scratches me 
I used to joke he scratched his pot somehow it somehow makes its way over to my my chest and scratches my nipple for some strange reason but that's what always happens but it is great to have him around he just needs to be around us and it's great to have him around um, he does so many funny things he's hilarious um, it's just great to have him and we are going to miss him dearly but it warms my heart knowing that he is going to a great place um, so I'm really happy for him that way um, so if you're interested in fostering um, keep in mind that the shelter or the organization basically covers a lot of the expenses so you're basically doing them a favor you're doing yourself a favor but there are many shelters in that in need of foster parents and there are some rescue groups that I actually work with that have no physical shelter they solely rely on foster network so um, I'll be more than happy to put anyone in touch in this area around, but there are so many rescue groups out there that um, it's so easy to just call them up. Um, you know, remember that you are inquiring to do something. There's no harm in doing so. I think it's, it's incredibly beneficial not only for you, but for the pets. And you'll save a life while you're at it, and you may end up with a forever pet. So adopt, don't shop perfect timing for that bark and we will um, take a short break and come back and talk about something after these messages stay tuned right here on 107.7 the fm dial 1077 thebronc.com we're back with your pet matters with dr t of progressive veterinary care discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy healthy and safe only on 1077 the bronc welcome back if you're just joining us it's, it's me Michael, Dr. T. Tequila, right here on Your Pet Matters. Available every Saturday at 10 a.m. on 107.7 FM. Or, man, we're everywhere. You can listen to the podcasts every, everywhere that there are podcasts. Um, uh, and it just, it's just amazing me. Every year we get uh, more and more and more and more uh, streaming stations and everything else. So... Um, visit 107.7thebronc.com and you'll see all the different sort of streaming services were there, but it's, it's awesome. I think it's really good. Um, so I've just been thinking about things that have been happening this week and I talked about fostering. The other thing that, um, happened actually two weeks ago, what it was Labor Day weekend. Um, I have to preface this by saying that, uh, Anything that happens to my own dogs, I overreact, I get over paranoid, I overdiagnose, I do diagnostics out the yazoo, I do way more than necessary, and I always fear the worst case scenario. So little dogs started hacking, packing, and vomiting, and my mind went into overdrive. Oh my God, what did she eat? There's a foreign obstruction. I palpated her abdomen, and as she's coughing, it's tense. I go, oh. So, Family trip to the clinic. <laughs> I'm in the x-ray room, gowned up. I have Chica on the table. I put the little pedal to take the x-ray out the door and I'm having Tina take the shot. I'm going, okay, take the shot, take the shot. So I took x-rays and clearly there's no obstruction going on. And then in my dazed Labor Day tiredness, I realized maybe she has an upper respiratory infection. So, um, But the bottom line is I brought that home somehow. Um, so I've seen a few cases over the last couple weeks. Um, so you'll get a dog with a dry hack. I'll, I'll imitate it at this point. <coughs> you get that and picture that continuing 
<coughs> continuing <coughs> all morning, all night until <coughs> they vomit up some bile. Um, so that's your standard, um, as everyone will say, kennel cough. And kettle cough is just a ubiquitous term to describe upper respiratory infections in um, pets. But it also is, um, you know, another term um, for Bordetella, Bordetella bronchoseptica. Um, it's a infectious tracheobronchitis um, that they get. And so it's very important if your dog is either is going to frequent anywhere that dogs may be. So... In essence, groomers, boarding, daycare, puppy training facilities, and yes, places like PetSmart, dog parks. You are actually putting your dog at risk of, of getting cold. Um, and so the bacterial pneumonia is Bordetella bronchoseptica, and there is a vaccine for that. So definitely, if your dog is going to be around those areas, um, then it's important that you do that. The other vaccine is influenza. So currently there are two strains of influenza viruses that can affect dogs. Um, the first strain was H3N8, first identified in greyhounds in 2004. And most recently in about 2015, H3N2 was um, diagnosed and may have originated through um, South Korea, China, and Thailand, um, but made its way over. Um, and so currently your veterinarian has a vaccine of either each one of those individually or combined. Um, so I really think that, you know, so many dogs are exposed to groomers, um, daycare, training, pet smart, dog parks that if if your pet is actually going to be at any of those places or just around a whole bunch of other dogs even in your neighborhood it's not a bad idea to get those vaccines um, some boarding places require those vaccines and in all honesty when I first started practicing it was the Bordetella vaccine and later on they started requiring the influenza I think you're gonna get a different answer no matter what boarding facility you use but it is actually if you are boarding your pet, they should be kept up to date on these vaccines. Um, and these are yearly vaccines. Some boarding facilities recommend that the Bordetella vaccine be done twice a year. Um, so definitely check with your veterinarian, check with your um, boarding facility of what their requirements or recommendations are. Um, the Bordetella is manageable, it's treatable. Um, my concern is if your dog is doing that hack, and they stop eating, you get nasal discharge, those things can develop into more and more, more, and more severe infections. Uh, fortunately for my dog, she was eating, she was acting completely normal, um, and so I really have to hold back giving her medications, um, but in many cases, um, not treating a pet, especially if they have the influenza, not treating the pet can lead to incredibly bad, sometimes life-threatening scenarios. So definitely talk to your veterinarian. Um, so our standard protocol is we assess the situation. We talk about, um, you know, dealing with uh, the cough. So there are cough medications, um, dealing with the infection through antibiotics, maybe opening up the airways through uh, bronchodilators like nebulizers and so forth, um, and just resting the pet. So those are options. Um, 
these are contagious. So if your pet has uh, upper respiratory infection and has been around other pets, it's important to notify them. If your pet has picked one up at a facility, it's important to notify them. Um, the facilities will actually notify you if they have uh, an issue. I believe there was a, I had a client today who was telling me that the facility, I think MD daycare warned them that they had a kennel cough outbreak. Um, so you have to be careful about things like that. Um, so just, just take it easy, play it safe, but definitely consider these vaccines. Um, they could save your pet's life. So that was one of the things that that happened to my pet, and I'm seeing trends in that. The other is there's a lot of uh, GI parasites out at this time of year. We got a lot of runoff, uh, a lot of wetness out there. So um, it's really important to get your pet's fecal checked. Um, and I want to I want to clarify that that if your pet is on a good heartworm prevention, so heartworm is spread by mosquitoes, and the worm actually can get within the bloodstream. But what a lot of people get confused of is that heartworm prevention, which helps prevent that heartworm, also helps present gastrointestinal parasites that your pet picks up either on the ground or eating their own poop or just contacting other pets that um, in a, in a butt-smelling situation type scenarios. Um, so it's really important. The uh, CDC actually recommends we check fecal several times a year. I have uh, dogs that are in certain situations that they should have fecals checked quite often. Um, and believe it or not, sometimes we can bring in that GI parasite on our shoes. Um, and especially for cat owners, uh, there are some indoor cats can, yes, they can get GI parasites and guess where they get them from. You know, we're, we're bringing our shoes in on that and they're walking around on their bare feet and they go groom themselves and there's a transmission of the eggs. Um, so it's really important. But with the plethora of puppy adoptions lately, um, keep in mind, puppies don't have a developed immune system. So they're actually prone to get infections, both upper respiratory and GI parasites. Some actually come with GI parasite issues. It's not uncommon to have that in the breeding scenario. So it's really important that your veterinarian not only do a regular deworming schedule for your puppy, but also check fecals on a regular basis. And... Um, it is important to make sure they're not getting upper respiratory infections as well. So those are good, good things to think about because there's so many puppies out there. So many wonderful puppies out there. We see so many cute puppies. Um, so in summary of the, of the segment before this and this, I would say adopt. <laughs> um, there's lots of puppies in need of adoption. And make sure you talk to your veterinarian, not only about the regular core vaccines, but vaccines like Bordetella and influenza and get their fecals checked. It's very important because it could make a world of difference for your pet's health. So I'm going to take another short break and we'll return after these messages. But stay tuned right there because there's so much more on this and every other educational channel right here at the Bronx. 1077thebronc.com Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes, it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producer's Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. 
Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer, Danny Romanowski, giving you another edition of the Producer's Pet Project. In last week's edition, I spoke about pet therapy and if that would be a good fit for you. This week, I'll be explaining what service and emotional support animals are, and if one of those would be a right choice for you. I must add that September is National Service Dog Month, so help me by raising awareness and showing appreciation for the work of service dogs this month. The American Kennel Club has some great information about service animals and emotional support animals on their website, akc.org. Today I'll be covering some highlights of what they think you should know about service animals and emotional support animals. First, I'll be covering service animals. In particular, service dogs. Studies have shown that dogs can increase fitness, lower stress, provide health benefits, and improve happiness. Service dogs encompass all of these abilities while also having the training to perform specific tasks for individuals with disabilities. According to the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, a service dog is a dog that is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for a person with a disability. A disability is defined by the ADA as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities, including people with a history of such an impairment and people perceived by others as having such an impairment. There are different types of service dogs that treat different kinds of patients. There are guide dogs that help the visually impaired, hearing dogs for the hearing impaired, mobility dogs for those in wheelchairs or with mobility impairments, medical alert dogs that help signal an alert of a medical issue to someone who can help, and psychiatric service dogs that can help those with disabilities such as OCD, PTSD, schizophrenia, and other conditions. Now I will explain the difference between service animals and emotional support animals. Emotional support animals, ESAs, refer to dogs and other pets that provide emotional support and comfort to their owners on a daily basis. ESAs legally must be prescribed by a licensed mental health professional like a therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Emotional support animals differ from service dogs in a few, in few key ways. Service dogs have been trained to perform specific tasks for individuals and as such as usually granted access to anywhere their owner goes. Emotional support animals do not require any specific training, although owners should make sure they're well-trained in public. ESAs are not granted access to establishments such as restaurants or malls like service dogs are. Individuals with ESAs are afforded some additional rights such as the ability to live in otherwise non-pet-friendly housing under the Fair Housing Act. Additionally, the Air Carrier Access Act also allows both service animals and ESAs to accompany their owners in the cabin of an aircraft during flights. Emotional support animals provide a valuable service to those who need it, but misrepresenting a pet as an ESA is both unethical and illegal in some states. Therapy dogs provide opportunities for petting, affection, and interaction in a variety of settings on a volunteer basis. Therapy dogs and their owners bring cheer and comfort to hospital patients, 
assisted living center residents, and stressed travelers in airports, and also college students during exams and other situations where friendly, well-trained dogs are welcome. Therapy dogs are also used to relieve stress and bring comfort to victims of traumatic events or disasters. Many groups that train therapy dogs or take dogs on pet therapy visits have matching ID tags, collars, or vests. Therapy dogs are not defined as service dogs under the ADA, and they do not receive access to public facilities, they're not eligible for special housing accommodations, and they do not receive special cabin access on commercial flights. Now I will give you some options on how to find a service dog that is right for you. Professional service dog training organizations and individuals who train service dogs are located throughout the U.S. However, since prices of professional training can be astronomical, it is important to know that the ADA does not require service dogs to be professionally trained. Individuals with disabilities have the right to train a service dog themselves and are not required to use a professional service dog trainer or training program. A service dog candidate should be calm, especially in unfamiliar settings, be alert, but not reactive, have a willingness to please, be able to learn and retain information, be capable of being socialized to many different situations and environments, and be reliable in performing repetitive tasks. Individuals who wish to train their own service dogs should first work with their candidate dog on foundation skills. Start with house training and then move into socialization. Socialize the dog with the objective of having it remain on task in the presence of unfamiliar people, places, sights, sounds, scents, and other animals. Teach the dog to focus on the handler and ignore distractions. In addition to socialization and a basic obedience training, a service dog must be trained to perform work on specific tasks to assist with a certain disability. After hearing all of that, my recommendation for you is that if you think you might want a service animal or an emotional support animal, look at the requirements for the type of pet you would want and look to rescue or adopt from a from a local shelter or foster group near you and train the animal yourself. To those who adopted during the pandemic, look into some of the training if you wish, as this might help you and your pet with coping to the new normal and having less separation anxiety. If you're looking for an emotional support animal, don't forget to talk to your doctor or your mental health provider to see if an emotional support animal is right for you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Producer's Pet Project on 1077-1077thebronc.com. I hope you enjoy the rest of this week's episode of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa and your producer, me, Danny Robinowski. Join me next week for a brand new Producer's Pet Project. That was today's segment of Producer's Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 1077 The Bronx. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx.
Dr. T here. If you're just joining us, I've been talking about upper respiratory infections, GI parasites, um, the benefits of fostering. Um, but now I'd like to take a little time to talk about what's been with us for six months or more. Um, that is COVID and the life under COVID and how it's changed your veterinary practice and how the effect it's having on some pets. Um, so, you know, we hear things that a lot of people are adopting puppies, um, but in general, I would say that cats are kind of uncool about COVID. They don't, they're not fans of you being around all the time. Um, unlike dogs, dogs love it. Um, and I, I, I find it incredibly fascinating to see so many dogs walking on the streets that I've never seen before. I don't know where these dogs come from. And they're not just puppies. I see so many dogs out there. So I think it's great. I think it's great that you're getting out with your pets. Um, but in all honesty, when this blows over, get out with your pets as much as I'm seeing you now. I think it's just beneficial for both of you. Um, so dogs love it. They love the fact that we're home. Um, in fact, I think the issue will be when we get going back to work, how can we prevent the, the dogs from feeling really upset about that? Um, the look on my dog's face as I leave for work. I'm the only one in my household who actually leaves. Um, my wife is able to work from home and my son is doing virtual school. So I'm the only one who actually physically leaves on a regular basis. And the look my dogs give me, the look of where are you going and why are you abandoning us uh, blows my mind. But that is something we'll have to deal with. As cats, so we have to go back to cats and perceived stress and cats being cats. Cats like being on their own. They basically, you know, dogs really depend on us as cats look us look at us as their slaves. We're there to feed them, clean their litter box, and if they feel like being petted, they'll let you know, and if they want to play, they'll let you know. Other, otherwise, just leave them alone. They want to do their own thing. And so cats, when they're not having the time they want to have, they get stressed. And unlike every other person and dog, cat's stress goes to their bladder. What happens is the bladder gets affected, the pH of the urine changes, and they can develop crystals depending on the pH. And they can develop urinary issues and crystals can actually lead to inflammation, can lead to infection, can lead to actually what we call the block cat where they cannot urinate. And it is most prevalent in boy cats. And prior to COVID, blocked cats, we joke, usually occur around holiday seasons where there's that perceived stress. Why is everyone walking around in funny costumes? Why are people having other people? All these different people are in my home celebrating you know, the festivities around the uh, holiday season. This is not acceptable and I'm getting stressed and oh, I block. So, so we notice we see these sorts of things. So that's what we're starting to see is, is, is more urinary issues in cats during COVID. And if they're susceptible to get that, then they can get blocked. And it is, honestly, it can become a life-threatening uh, uh, event. The inability to urinate for a male cat can potentially lead to the death of that cat. So it's really important to understand 
what your cat's doing, how they're feeling. Um, there are ways of addressing the stress, ranging from pheromone therapies to medications to possibly just leaving them alone as often as you physically can during COVID. It may help. Um, diets, etc. So those are those are options to definitely discuss with your your veterinarian. Um, but but I other than that, I wanted to talk about just how COVID itself has affected the veterinary profession. You'll probably read articles about how veterinary professions are actually busier. Um, in my neck of the woods, that's actually true. Although, <laughs> am I busier because I'm only down to less doctors working and we have decreased our hours? Um, it, that may be it. Um, but even with these decreased hours from a personal standpoint, it is exhausting. Um, I have more than enough team members on every day that I'm working. Um, I have a ratio of two receptions and three technicians when I'm on, and it is sometimes four technicians. So, and yet, um, at the end of that short day, we are pretty darn exhausting. Um, thank God for us, we're not getting a lot of these stressed clients coming in. Um, but what I think one of the major things that has happened was that we joke that during holiday times, people actually come in more often. And the reason why your veterinary practice is open when there's national holidays everywhere else is that on those days are the days that you as pet parents sit and look at your pets and realize, oh, something's wrong with them. And you call the vet. So we're kind of experienced that on a regular basis. Additionally, because you are now relying on your pet for your well-being, I think you notice things and you're physically there to see it. So, so it's good for your pet in terms of medical care um, and overall it's good for you. Um, but you know, I guess it's, it, the, the stress that we're facing is not only the stresses that you read about in the profession, but you know, un, um, unlike many um, professions, um, but like many of the essential ones, we were considered essential. So we never shut down. We just had to adapt and, and, and change quickly. So we are curbside. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And the reason why I'm saying that is just look at the statistics, look at the college campus. Um, I think they, the, we have to wait to see how well, um, proper social distancing goes. I think it's impossible in many practices to practice proper social distancing. I think it's it's something that um, is going to be here for a while. Um, but rest assured, people, even those of you who have pets that you feel do much better with you in the room, I, I don't know how to say this in a... The best way I can say this is nine times out of ten, they're fine with us just alone. They're totally fine, um, and we're able to help them we're able to work with them and get to a better medical diagnosis. So I think that that what COVID has done for your pets is enable people like me to actually do better medical workups, more thorough medical workups, get to the heart of the matter and um, lead to just better medical outcomes for your pets. Um, personally, I'm not one who does a lot of uh, virtual um, communication. There are a lot of vet practices that are doing telemedicine right now. I, I like having that one-on-one -on -one interaction. So I literally, I go out, I'm out in the parking lot um, and practicing social distance, talking to you as, as clients. So, cause I think it's important. I think that that one-to-one -one connection, I think if I have something important to talk to you about your pet, I want to 
do it to you face to face. Many vets are capable of doing it over the phone. I just find that over the phone is just one step above text. I can't really read emotion into things. I think it's best for me personally to see one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, it just allows us to, to me personally, I think we're, we're doing better medicine, way better medicine. And there's all this influx of puppies. Um, so it's just, it's great. I think it's great. I think everyone's um, happy about their situations from a personal medical standpoint, and we're happy as well, except it is very tiring. The, the, the downsides of uh, COVID is in many vet practices, if someone becomes positive, sometimes you lose that employee or you have to shut down and clean, um, and it's very difficult. In my particular case, um, people taking vacation can mean vacation time away plus um, you know, you have to isolate, um, self-isolate yourself for another two weeks. So it's actually that individual is out of the practice for up to a month or more, um, whether they really want to or not. And it does affect their paycheck because they're out for a while. Um, it's just one of those things. Luckily, knock on wood, I'm knocking on my, my head as wood. Um, we haven't faced that situation. My team's been very good about social distancing. Um, and there's masks and gloves everywhere, everywhere. Well, that's all I have for today's show. I am so glad that you dropped in to listen. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. But remember, everyone, the most important thing, especially at times like this, is to love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. That was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters, where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.